mornings a week, we meet before breakfast for an early morning run. We spend most of our time planning and reflecting on what's happening in our classrooms. This has become our favorite professional development. So we figured, why not share these moments with you? Welcome to Math Before Breakfast. episode 17 and we are joined by another special guest this morning. Uh, Rachel, one of my friends is here and she's an English professor and she is thinking about using podcasting in her classes. So she's here to join us. You want to say good morning? Good morning. <laughs> I'm excited to be here. Thank yeah. you for having me. You're welcome. And and she may or may not comment. She's really interested in the process and what it looks like to create a podcast. So um, maybe we'll hear from you later. Um, so we are going to talk a little bit about how I love math they went because we both finished that last at the end of last week. And then Ruth's going to talk about how she is going to start talking about prime and composite numbers. And then I've started just barely, <laughs> I've just barely started my um, geometry unit on angles and I'll, I'm two days in. So I'll talk about what I figured out there so far. So do you want to go first and tell us about a little bit about your I love math day? So we've already discussed that mine was on a much smaller scale, yep. um, but I did get the involvement of the five other teachers that I teach with, and they agreed to give up their subject for the day and let the kids play math. Mm -hmm. um, all five of them were so excited about how much fun the kids had. So that was a definite plus. Yeah. And then there were just times throughout the day, like we... Um, we went to chapel, so the classroom was empty, and I came back, and the second graders saw my estimation stations, how many cheese balls are there, how many pages in the books, and how many Legos are there. And mm -hmm. they had just walked through with Post-it notes and put their guesses in the containers. Cool. Um, and then I sent them a picture of who won in their class for the best estimate. Okay. So it was fun. Um, and... Probably one of the best things is now the kids know how to play those games. And when they're finished early in class, that's what they ask to do. Yeah. Can we play Zeus on the Loose or can we play Four-Way Countdown? Um, some of the comments from the kids included, I don't understand how this is math. Huh. In the room where they're playing Tangrams. Yeah. Um, and it was really fun to see the kids who don't typically perform well in the classroom, like it's mm -hmm. a struggle for them to do assessments or classwork, but put the tangrams in front of them and they just got it all. Yeah. Some kid went through almost all the manifold. He just, it was just like he got it. He wow. just knew what his, it, it was just so bizarre. And he left feeling like, well, if this is math, yeah, then I might be good at <laughs> yeah. math, you know, because everyone was like, hey, how'd you do this one? Um, and I did what you did with the manifold. Like I made photocopy ones. And then if you got through the photocopy ones, you got to go to the actual book. Yeah. You should explain what that is. Cause I bet a lot of people don't know. So it's, uh, it's a game that Tracy got me for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> it's Tracy's fault. Yeah. Um, it's squares. So it's grid paper and some of them are colored light green and some of them are colored black and some are colored white. And you have to fold it in such a way that one side is completely white and the other side is completely black. So there's all these origami folds that you have to know how to use mm -hmm. or figure out how to use. Um, so it's like an origami puzzle. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, 
definitely not my strength. Like I tried it on Christmas and was yeah. like, whoo, I'm going to take this one to my classroom. And um, that ended up being the present, the prize that most of the kids wanted. Oh, wow. Off the table. Cool. Um, so it was really fun. And I, like we played all day. And then the next day at lunch, I um, gave out the prizes. And mm-hmm. in each class the next day is when the winners presented. So I had to have a winner from each class. We didn't have an assembly, but I really wanted them to hear. Um, One more highlight. Super shy student who whispers when I call on her in Mm -hmm. class. Does not talk ever. Lunch, anywhere. She won the challenge. Cool. Which one? Well, she could have won both. I didn't give her both. (laughs) I told her, I was like, you, and she's the winner and she's going to come up and tell you how she did it. And I didn't warn her beforehand because I didn't warn anyone else. And she came to the front and she said, well, I had to figure out how many checkerboards there were. So I made this pattern and I colored it and here it is. Uh And she sat down and I elaborated on what her pattern was and we moved on. Well, I got an email from her mom. It was like, she thought that was the greatest thing ever that you called on her and asked her to talk in front of the class, even though she whispered. (laughs) And It was just like, that was just a small, like, it was a little bit selfish on my part. Like, I don't really care if you don't want to do this. This is part of life. And so I'm not (laughs) even going to ask you. I'm just going to say you won. Come talk. Yeah. And I didn't badger her because she didn't talk loud enough. I just let her talk and she sat down. Mm -hmm. But I got an email from mom. Like, that was the greatest thing ever. (laughs) (laughs) You never know. I know. You never know which way it could go. But it was good that she now has maybe a little more confidence. Because she really is a good thinker yeah, um, and can figure stuff like that out. Yeah, good, good. Well, ours went ours went well. Um, this was year five for us, and it was the whole school, and we added, you know, additional things. Um, and I, I only left a couple things off the schedule that got a little boogered up, but that's okay. <laughs> the, the teachers were really flexible. Um, the kids had fun, you know. We had good speakers come. Everybody showed up. That's that's always frightening. Like, I have these 20 different people that say they're going to come. Are they really going to come and be there on time? And and they were. Um, and, you know, being on the, like, in charge of it side, trying to make sure all the parts are where they're supposed to be at mm-hmm. any given time, I, I got a little, like, flustered and frustrated sometimes with kids that were, like, using it like playtime, you know, um, especially in the afternoon when they have freedom to go. And so I left the day, like, exhausted and, you know, still kind of keyed up. But then over the weekend, I was watching – Jay came and, and recorded video all day long because um, the last time we made a video was five years ago, the first time we did it. So we didn't have any other video. Um, we just had a lot of pictures. Which I found the year one video yesterday. Yeah. When I was, it's pretty, when I was finishing this one. <laughs> pretty cool the difference, right? Um, so – Watching back the video, I'm like, oh, this was really good because they're they were engaged, you know, mm-hmm. like every just all kinds of kids sitting down and, you know, working together and talking with the volunteers that were there and the teachers that were in the room. And it was just fun to watch the video. So then I we put together like a little highlights video that we'll put in the show notes. But um, 
you know, like one of my favorite clips was just this high school. I mean, it wasn't even all that great of a shot, but there was this high school girl that was super quiet when she got there to help. And I showed her how to do it. And then just watching her teach these other two girls the manifold game, you know, like this tiny little thing. But here they are doing it, um, you know, like you were talking about. So it was a great day. Um, I had, you know, the different teachers say how much they enjoyed it. The kids told me that they enjoyed it. Rachel's kids were there. <laughs> yeah, I made the mistake of scheduling a dentist appointment. And so we had to pull them from school a little bit early. And I got some serious side eye. Yeah. <laughs> I was in the room when they pulled Aubrey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, to her face. She was like, she couldn't, she was like, she didn't quite comprehend. What do you mean we have to leave now? That's not the end of the day. We're still in these math activities. Yeah. <laughs> she was pouting for quite a bit. Aww. But then she came home and she showed me, you know, video that she'd taken of um, when the speakers were there. And she was like, Mom, let's do yoga together. I guess you had a yoga mm-hmm. yeah. teacher. Um, so She's actually on the video in the yoga class. You'll see that. Very good. Yeah. yeah. So they do love it. They love it every year. Yeah. Good. 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 So <laughs> it was fun and it was worth it. And Yay. And then what's cool is that, like, people, we're on, Ruth and I are on these two Facebook math teacher groups, and people are forever asking, like, what ideas do you have for a math day? What ideas do you have for math night, family math night, that kind of stuff? And I, and we keep like sharing our resources, like, try this. We have a lot of things here that we've collected, you know? Listen to this podcast and we'll tell you how to do it. Yeah, exactly. To, I mean, I don't know what else you need. <laughs> yeah. We, I feel like we've put lots of resources together and right. I'm, and a couple weeks from now I'll be sharing at VCTM, um, the Virginia math teachers conference about it and, everything you know i'm going to compile even more things together so i'm actually really excited i talked to one of the moms whose kid won the challenge and said will you come will you bring her and let her do you know share at this conference and she was like yeah we have soccer but yeah i think we'll make it work so yeah i'm gonna work on that today making sure that we can have some kids there i'm presenting twice did you see that we got the email last night (laughs) oh i saw i didn't see that you were twice i saw that i was saturday so yeah like you're like you're upset about that i know i'm kind of glad it'll be good yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's fun that you because you do it the first time then people are like oh that's really good you should go to that yeah and they still have it Chance. And we should me- use this time to mention that Friday at VCTM, hopefully Friday evening, um, the location is to be determined, but we're going to get together and just record our an episode of the podcast on Friday um, somewhere and invite our, you know, anybody by word of mouth who wants to come and and check it out. And we want people to, you know, you know how at the end of our episodes we say, what's your takeaway? We want people to come and share their takeaway from the day. And so we're hoping our friends and listeners and people that don't know us too will come <laughs> will come and, and tell us about what they've learned on Friday so far and share some ideas. So, yep. <laughs> All right. So why don't you go first okay. and talk about where you're headed with Prime and Composite and what you're hoping for. So, um, I don't know that I've mentioned on the podcast that I teach at a Christian school. I know that I've taught at a private school, but for me, prime composite numbers always start in scripture. And we talk about prideful primes and we talk about how pride comes before a fall and we're in middle school. So there's a whole lot of, um, pride. I think Mm -hmm. I'm better than you Yeah, and you can, you are eliminated from my friend group because you don't wear the right clothes or whatever mm-hmm. it is because you don't have a phone or you're not on social media, whatever. And so I strategically pick students to go in the hallway and I pull on Eratosthenes mm-hmm. sieve. Mm-hmm. I think I'm saying that yeah. right. Yeah. So 
I've created this slideshow and the kid comes in with this wand and I just say, just point to the screen and eliminate numbers. And so someone comes in and eliminates all the evens. And then the next student comes in and eliminates all the multiples of three that haven't already been eliminated. Mm -hmm. And then fives. And then the seven comes in and takes out um, the last three numbers from Mm -hmm. one to 100 that aren't prime. And so now you have a hundreds chart with all these numbers eliminated and these prime numbers just kind of random, Mm -hmm. not close together. And we talk about how when you spend your life being prideful, you very very well end up alone. Um, And prime numbers have themselves Mm -hmm. and one. And one is neither prime nor composite because one cannot be eliminated because one is not a multiple of any of those numbers, Mm -hmm. but one could take out the whole chart because Mm -hmm. everyone is eliminated. And so I have this poster in my room of this prideful prime girl with her nose looking down her nose and she's got the prime numbers everywhere. And there's just a big sun behind her with a one. And we talk about how you can, you will one day stand before God and be accountable for how you were kind to the people you're in school with. So think about that. And don't be prime. <laughs> and every year the kids are like, Missy, you should preach. <laughs> um, so we start with that everyday thing and they get it. Like they they don't get the definitions mixed up anymore hmm. after yeah. it, that solemn, quiet. I wonder if she knows that I do that to people. I wonder what. Hmm. I don't really know. Yeah. You know, because they don't do it in front of teachers. Yeah. But it's so important that sometimes you get called on it and the Holy Spirit will convict them. So it's not my job to say, this is what you do. It's just my job to say, this is sin and Mm -hmm. you can't act like this. Um, So now that you know what the prime numbers are, the next day, um, I'm going to do it a little bit different this way because I found a video on Twitter, which is where Mm -hmm. we go. Well, you found a video for me on Twitter. (laughs) Um, Can I I jump in and say that I use the Civ of Eratosthenes, not with the, you know, like story behind it, but there's this great video that um, I'll post in the show notes that does the exact same thing, just without the context that you have. But, you know, if somebody wants to do it and... I mean, it's have, a great place yeah. to see how you can quickly find the prime numbers sure. to 100. So I'll link that. I have a really good video for that. Did you say the Civ of Eratosthenes? Civ ter- of Eratosthenes. That's right. Wow. Do you know what a Civ is? Well, you use in the kitchen. Yeah. So it like strains all the, all the prime numbers or it's what's left, you Um, know, like you think of it like that's how, you know, mm -hmm. like you would, you would hold all the composite numbers and only the prime numbers come through because they don't have any other factors. So it's a prime mesh sieve. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then Eratosthenes is the guy who made it up, who discovered it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm sure if you wanted to tell him to change it to prime mesh sieve he would be like okay we'll do that (laughs) (laughs) okay so where are you going next okay so next we start with composite numbers on note cards and you have the prime numbers only the prime numbers on the desk in front of you and we start small you're working in teams of three and so i might give you the number six and you have to only use the prime numbers in front of you to make six. and With multiplication. With That's only important. multiplication, right? And I don't even tell them that in the beginning. And then we change, like, can you make it with multiplication? Okay, the rule is now make it with only 
multiplication. Okay. Um, it's that whole, like, everyone has to be, have a little bit of success. Like, great, you made it with addition. Now we're going to make it with multiplication. Mm-hmm. And that's the new rule. You can only use multiplication. Um, and it's really fun to watch them. You know, now I'm going to give you 125. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, well, it's a big number, so I'm going to pick the 7, and I'm going to pick the 11. And someone's like, no, you have to figure out what it's divisible by. And so you just hear all these little, I don't even know what to call them, just kids being really thinking about math and you getting excited about, okay, they understand that if they can figure out what it's divisible by, then that might be the number they want to pick up off the table. So what you're describing is a good example of um, learning through problem solving because, you know, uh, several years ago, maybe you would have said, this is how we do prime factorization. Now try it on these. But instead you're just handing them the task and then they're using what they know to figure it out. Like, that's good. Okay, carry on. So we end, we do that the whole class. Sorry. Why are you laughing at me, JJ? That, that's good. Carry that's on. That's good. <laughs> I'm just pointing out that, like, it's hard to understand what that idea of of learning through problem solving is. And you just that's gave a, a really good example of it. And it's so meaningful because they have discovered on their own that if you can figure out what the number is divisible by, you mm-hmm. have you're in the right direction. And even just one number. Yeah. You know, once you know five is a factor of 125, then your work is a whole lot easier because then you've got 25 to work with. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sorry. Um, interrupting. So <laughs> at the end, I, maybe it's funneling questioning, but I tried my very best to get someone to say, you can make every composite number with only primes. Mm-hmm. That's our declaration that every composite number is a product of primes without mm-hmm. saying this is the definition of prime factorization. Yeah. Um, and the numbers get bigger. And so we spend the last couple minutes trying to find a really big number that maybe you think doesn't have any prime numbers in it. Um, I remember one year a student picked 289 and I'm pretty sure that's, that's what it was. And he couldn't find any prime numbers. That went into it. It's yeah. Like, because it's a prime number. Oh. So it doesn't break the rule. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so how are you going to – you? we were talking about that video that we found that was um, modeling that with cubes. How are you going to implement that? So I think we're just going to use – because when I first did the activity, you had note cards with prime numbers on them in a basket on your table. And I would write a composite number on the board and you would use the note cards. Mm-hmm. And then I would write another number and you would use the note cards. But I think I'm going to put all the composite numbers on the board and they're going to model all of them with cubes. And I feel like at that point it's more challenging because I'm not forcing everyone to be on the same number at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I have some kids who probably will choose to be independent. So if you want to do this activity by yourself... Then here are these unifix cubes, Mm -hmm. and these are the colors that they represent. So two is red, and three is orange. And if you want to make six, then you clip a two and a three together and set it over here on your number line where it says six or on your list of numbers. And some of them will do them by themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, Because when you understand that you're dividing and you like did 125 divided by five in your head and the person beside you is still trying to do long division <laughs> and see if it's seven divisible work. by two, you <laughs> yeah. know, it's frustrating. And yeah. so 
if I can give you the opportunity to do more independently and then let the groups that want to work together because they need that, is this going to work conversation? Mm-hmm. I just, there's so many different learners. Yeah. And, and that's an activity that can facilitate all, facilitate all of them. I, you don't always get that choice. Yeah. Sometimes in my class, you're going to work in a group because yeah. this is what we're doing. And that's how life is too. Yeah. I would, I would really suggest somebody who's getting ready to teach this to check out that video that we'll link. I'd never seen it done like that before yeah. with, with cubes. And usually whenever you have cubes, it's like an, showing an addition relationship. But this is different because the snapping together is showing a multiplication relationship. And it just was kind of unexpected and cool. And, I, and I, I'm wondering if you're going to – you know, I know you're getting ready to talk about prime climb and how you're going to use that game. But, like, are you going to still think about making the colors of your cubes match what's on prime climb? Or is yes. that not as important as um, – I'm going to try. I mean, I don't know that I have all of the same colors. And yeah. life's been really busy, so I haven't even yeah. opened – Prime climb, yeah. but yes, that is check <laughs> on my to do list. Yeah, yeah, thrown under the bus by Tracy. Sorry, gosh, I'm just <laughs> gonna teach that tomorrow, and you haven't yeah. planned that yet, right? <laughs> <Nope>. Haven't. <laughs> oh man, I wrote time. it on paper. <laughs> yeah. So is that where you're going after that? Is right. To play so prime we're gonna climb? play prime climb. So that's a board game that was made by Dan Finkel, right? Is that the right name? Did I get the name right? I hope so. We yeah. can take that. Yeah, I think so. Um, <laughs> and. Dub my name in later. Yeah. Dan Finkel. <laughs> um, and it's just great. It started on a Kickstarter, right? And now it's a real board game on Amazon. Um, but it's a spiral, and all of the numbers 1 to 101 are on there. And they're um, it's so cool because they're colored based on the prime factorization. So, um, and like 6 is, has, is, is a circle broken up into two parts with the color that stands for two and the color that stands for three. And basically you have two little pawns and you're trying to get both of your pawns to the center to 101. And um, you roll two dice and you have to use them to whatever number your pawn is sitting on to make it all the way to 101. And then there's a couple interesting things that can happen. If you land on another pawn, you have to go back. That pawn gets sent back kind of like in sorry or trouble. And then the other thing is that all of the prime numbers that are bigger than 10 are marked just solid red. And so that, that that's where it's connected to, you know, this whole idea, whole idea of prime and composite. But if you land on one of those, then you get like a special card. So you're constantly trying to see, can you get to a prime number? Um, but then like the colors on the circles really can help you help them do the computation if they don't have it ready to go, you mm-hmm. know, because like if you're on, um, I should have thought of an example beforehand, but if you were on six with the two colors that represent six and you rolled a five, you could look for, if you didn't know, I mean, you would know, but if you didn't know, you could look for the the circle that has five's color added into it. So then you'd be looking for a circle with three different colors on it. Um, so the colors can help a kid who doesn't have the computation like play easily. Do you have something to add? No. The, the colors, I've only played once. Yeah. And the colors... Learning the game and didn't necessarily help me, mm-hmm. but maybe I wasn't thinking of it from the same and the prime purpose, composite yeah. side that you're that you're talking about. I was just trying to figure out how to you know how to make the dice count to move. Yeah, but we've seen the prime climb circles. Teachers have used them everywhere with just what do you notice? Mm-hmm. What do you wonder? Um, 
And that's the what we'll do before we start the yeah. game is find the relationship in yesterday's cubes with these numbers up here. And Y is one without color, not even on the board, right? It's like grayed out. Okay. Yeah. Um, because knowing that one is neither prime nor composite is pretty yeah. huge. Otherwise, your prime factorization trees go on. Yeah. Forever. Um, we also had a, f- a not four-year-old, how old is he now? Seven-year-old, like, trying to get the game going so he could win. So maybe I didn't catch all the nuances on yeah. colored <laughs> circles and yeah. and all that. He was anxious to play so he could win. But I started explaining it to – my class got, was gifted some copies of it. And um, so now we have enough that everybody could play. And we started to – I started to explain the directions. And they were like, stop, stop, stop. What do these colors mean? You know, they were – they were curious about that before I even like hmm. made them look at it. Um, and I'll be interested to see if your kids get it more than mine did because we hadn't talked – we've talked about prime numbers and we talked about factors. But they had never seen, for example, 12 written as – they'd seen it as 3 times 4, but they hadn't seen 12 written as 2 times 2 times 3. So that – like why are there repeated colors in the circle? That just didn't – they didn't really grasp that at first. Right. So that'll be, I'll be really interested in your conversation that they have from there. Is that all you got so far? I think so. There, I did find another really cool app that's probably on my phone and the cause of the reason that I don't have my lesson <laughs> but it's, it, it doesn't even have prime number in its name, but it's prime factorization and the, it's just a big circle with a num- composite number. And on the bottom you have two, three, five, seven, 11, 13, 17, and 19. Wow. And you just pick a number it's divisible by and pop the bubbles. Huh. So my students are going to be introduced to that too. It, it's cool. not fast like the other one that I'd mentioned that yeah. was prime where you have to know what it is really fast. This one you can really think about. Hmm. Um, and I like that better because it doesn't require speed. If if a number like 17 is a is a factor of it, do you have to know that at the beginning or does it help you like – Get so if, down to it. Okay, like 51 shows up, okay. and that's 3 times 17. But okay. if you knew the divisibility rules for 3 and you were able to figure that, you could put 3 and pop the bubble, and it would tell you 17. Oh, okay. But if you put 3 and 17 together and then pop the bubble, you get more points. Oh, cool. So Okay, I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah. All right, so I've are ready to move on to yeah to your angles yeah. So we I could just kind of like cold turkey stopped uh, decimals because I needed to be I had to start my unit because of my master's thing. I had to start it on Monday, so we just like hurried up, finished decimals. Which by the way, they did really well on their decimal quiz. Like I think the average, she was bragging on them when she was grading. I really quizzes. was. I think the app, these were I had twenty two questions and it was all on the computer. Um, and they got like an 88 average, which yeah, that's good. is really good. I only had a couple kids who didn't do well. Um, I was impressed. And I think like, you know how you start to question all your conceptual teaching and you haven't done a lot of practice. And But I think I, think I would point their success to we spent forever on the concept, building the conceptual understanding. And then I put into place I, what I think were good review measures like we had a study guide and we had class review time and there were lots of ways that I sent home that they could study so all that together they just they killed it I was pretty excited about it and and uh, like even some very surprising kids who did really well like um remember when Hannah was here we were talking about like empathy and you know I had that one student in mind that was very 
just anxious whenever he asks a question or you ask him a question. He got a hundred. Mm. You're like, killed it. So, um, I don't know. I felt good about that. But then bam, we're doing geometry. Like mm-hmm. start we did we we didn't finish decimal divisors, but we'll come back to it. So the whole purpose, stop me if this gets like too, you know, heady gotcha. here, but the whole purpose of this research and that I've been doing is kind of twofold. We had to take a math idea and a pedagogy idea and put it together. So um, back in the summer when we were in geometry in my class at VCU, um, I was really struck by the idea of angle, not of an angle, not just being the place where two rays meet, you know, in the space in between. If I had to define it, that's what I would say. Well, our professors were like over and over pointing us to the idea that angle is also turn and motion, you know, and part of a circle. And there's other ways to conceptualize angle. So that was my math idea that I wanted to go for. And then the pedagogy idea was this idea of defining. And it makes me think back to in the summer when you and I were in that um, book club that we were doing and we were trying to get trip to define a triangle, Mm -hmm. you know, by looking at examples and non-examples. And is this a triangle? Is this not a triangle? Why is this not a triangle? We were, we were working on the idea of definition and not just telling him a triangle is a three-sided polygon, you know, it has to be closed with straight sides and three angles. Um, so my brain started thinking about that whole idea of defining. Oh, I'm just realizing Rachel's read all my research. Mm-hmm. She helped me with my, um, <laughs> this is kind of cool. She helped me with my literature review. So like editing it. Um, so those two ideas are putting together. I want to put those two ideas. Can I get my kids to define angle and to, devi- to fi- define it more broadly than just two rays meeting together in a spot? Right. So... I started with the pretest, and on the the very first question on the pretest is what is an angle, and so I put all of their definitions together and put them on a big poster up in the room, and like a big huge piece of bulletin board paper, so that there was lots of room that we could add to this this poster, and their main there I had like three main things that they said together, one was um, that it is. One or two lines, they couldn't agree in, in their what they wrote about hmm. whether it was one or two lines that connect. And, or, and then they would say connect or meet or come together. Like they'd use different words, but that was the most common thing that they would say, one or two lines that come together. The second most common thing was a corner. And then they would say like a, an other synonyms for that would be like a point or a um, maybe a bend, those kinds of things. Um, and then the third one that they said most common was, um, it is, it can be something that can be measured and classified as acute, right? Straight Mm. or obtuse. So then there were like, so I put all, kind of combined all of those and put them at the top. And then there were things that only one person said. And so I listed those. So like one kid said a radius of a circle and one kid said, um, how, a way that you make a shape turn, something like that. So somebody was headed towards the idea of motion. Um, some there was they would sometimes they'd use the word area, um, just a point. I don't know, a, just a line, a slanted line. Oh, and then a couple people would pull out like um, the way you see something or a perspective. Like they were mm. using the the not mathematical term of angle, which was something that I read about in the research. It was really surprising that fourth graders would bring that up. I didn't expect them to, but they did. Um, so the whole idea of the unit is that we're going to do something and then we're going to revisit our 
definition poster. And then we're going to do another task and we're going to revisit it. And we're going to keep going back to seeing if we can come to any kind of conclusion based on what we did as a task. And it, and it worked. Like we have actually come to some conclusions already, even in just two days based on the task that we did. So um, the first task was um, I gave them a whole bunch of pictures of real life things and they had to sort them in any way that they wanted to. And I told them there were some examples of angles here and there's some non-examples. We talked about what non-examples mean. And then they were just going to cut them out and put them in whatever kind of groups they wanted to. And I was a little bit like, oh, no, this did not go as expected because they were all grouping them into acute, right, and obtuse and straight because that's all they know about angles. That's in third grade. That's all they learned. You know, it's not a fault of their teacher. That's all the teacher knows. Um, and or all I, the teacher has taught them. True. The teacher yeah. may know more than Yeah, that. that's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, but I didn't know much more than that before I started doing all this research that, like, I should think about it like motion and, you Well, know. how did you expect them to sort them other well, than that? Well, see, I wanted them to sort them by, like, the context. So, for example, these are ones that turn and these are things that do not turn. Or um, these are things that can turn all the way around. And these are, you know, those were, like, where my brain was headed because that's what I've been reading about. But all they had was acute, right, and obtuse. And so I was like, oh, no, what am I – what's the conversation, the follow-up? after going to look like when everybody has the exact same thing. Well, finally, thank goodness for these two, the last group I got to, they had, um, they had a group that says can change or move. And so like, okay, good. We have something we can talk about. So I was able to talk about, you know, the right angles that the, where they had grouped things together as right angles, um, you know, being being static and they don't change like the wall or something. But we had a really interesting conversation. There was a picture of a wall that was like stuck out. I don't know how to explain it very well. Um, like you were looking at the outside of a bathroom or something, a wall, you know, where it meets at a right angle. But it, the picture, because it was looking straight onto the right angle, doesn't look like a wall. It looks or doesn't look like a right angle. It looks kind of obtuse because of the perspective. And so, man, we had some cool conversation about, does she talking about from above? The kid even said, like, I had a, dr like, if I had a drone and I was up above it, it would look like a right angle. And the other kid's like, well, you didn't tell us that, you know, <laughs> what it, you're, I'm just looking at it as it is. So, that was that was really an interesting conversation. Why are you shaking your head? <laughs> Just that if I had a drone and was looking at the wall. That would have been Jay like, in your class. Not like if I had been in the attic looking at the wall yeah. or looking at the wall from yeah. the top. It was drone. if I had a drone right. and right. flew over the house. Um, so then finally we talked. I and I showed them, look at how this group grouped them together. And, and that kind of was like, oh, yeah, look at all these ones that move. And they were talking about things that moved. Um Two of the two of the examples are another thing I read about in the research, which is that they struggle with understanding something as an angle when there's only one visible ray. So picture like a hill is an angle, but you have to picture the flat ground okay. as it the hill in relationship to the flat ground. And same with like a if you picture like a stop sign. Picture if it was like if it got knocked over by the wind, how it would be leaning a little bit. You have it, it creates an angle, it's at an angle, but it's with the flat ground again. Or you could even say with where it would be straight up. I was and gonna down. Say, is it in comparison to how it should have been standing yeah. straight up? Yeah. So 
you know, we did have a little bit of conversation with that. I didn't, nobody came out and said it, but I tried to, you know, maybe there's a one array here we can't see, you know, what can we imagine? So no, none of these conversations are like, we came to a good conclusion except for, um, well, let me tell you the next task and then see how we got to a final, an, an agreement. So the next task was something on Enrich, a website we've talked about before, mm-hmm. where it's just a circle and you see one radius that's black and it tells you what angle you're aiming for. So it's, it'll say like 88 degrees is your target. So you press start and an array that you couldn't see before starts moving away from that first ray that was there, basically like opening up. And then you have to pause it at your 88 degrees. And what's interesting is that the black ray is going to move around every single turn. It's not going to stay straight up and down or something. And also the ray that comes out from it is going to open in either direction and you don't know which direction it's going to open in. So that's cheating. It is. It's hard. It, and it throws them, you know, when they're expecting it to go to Do the they, right. Like, turn the computer sideways. Cause I would be, I would be turning that bad boy every time yeah. so that the first ray is yeah, horizontal. Yeah. Um, you know, they were, they would like put their fingers maybe where they thought it would be. Um, but yeah, I actually thought of something while you were talking. <laughs> okay. So I'm an English professor. Okay. And um, there's a poem that I teach that we taught last week, and okay. it's called A Valediction Forbidding Morning, and it's by John Donne, who's a metaphysical poet. Okay. And he is comparing in this poem the love that he has with his wife to a compass. Ooh. And so as you were talking about that game, I was imagining this compass sort of opening up, and because his idea is – that um, he has to go on a journey and it's going to be like a year. And so his wife has to stay there. So she's the fixed foot. And then he's the one oh. that stretches. And as he goes farther and farther away, she has to lean more and more toward him in order to keep their relationship. Wow. So I was envisioning that as you were speaking. And I was like, oh, there's a way that I can make this visual because the students have a hard time with it, yeah. understanding, and, and they don't go back to – Using a compass. Yeah. And I don't know when you use it, sixth grade, something like that. Um, but I am I think that game would be something we could do to visualize sort yeah. of the way that they're moving. Cool. Hmm. Good connection there, friend. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, so, so here's how that game ended up helping them, which was when they – if they were going to try to aim for a 180, they – would wait till it would be completely on the other side of where they started, right? Mm-hmm. This is really hard to describe. I'm like, I'm using my hands the whole time. You guys can <laughs> see it, but I'm trying to think about people who can't see me. Um, and 180 looks like a straight line when you get there, but they realized by playing that game that it's two lines, that it's two lines connected at that vertex and it's going to open, 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 open. And then it's two rays connected at that right, vertex. Right. Yes. Two rays. Good job, Jay. <laughs> okay. Way to be precise with your language. Um, so we had written on our definition poster one or two lines, and by the time we finished playing that game, they were like, oh, it's two. It's two. I get it. You know, it has to be two because, you know, because we saw it happen. You know, right. when it was 180, it looked like one line, but really we know it was made out of two. So that was like, oh, this did work. You know, we did a task. We got some more information about We had some more understanding, and we edited our definition to match it. Um most recently, okay, I'm looking for some feedback here. Most recently, we they got stuck on, does it have to have a sharp, wait, 
does it have to have a sharp point where they connect? And the, the one that tripped them up was that in the very first task, they had a picture of a straw and a mm. bendy straw. And I was considering it to be an angle, right? And one that could move, but they were like, well, it's rounded and it's not straight. It's not, it's not pointy. And we just went around and around and around as to whether, you know, some of the kids thought it had to be a sharp point and some of them did not. And how do you say like, I meant this to be an angle, but if you were really thinking about it, it's really not because it doesn't end at one point, but I don't know. Well, I think two things are at an angle, even if that vertex is not visible. Like if you had a, I don't know, something straw and bent it and had two lines, my hand right now, there's no sharp point, but there's an angle between my two hands. Mm -hmm. So sometimes that sharp point, that vertex is not visible. It's not actually part of the object, but if you extended those rays out to where they, you know, where they end, Mm -hmm. then there is a point. You just may not see it. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. I, yeah. Like if you had a triangle and rounded all three points off of a triangle it's still you know if it was you know an equilateral triangle those sides are still 60 degrees apart from each other they're just not you don't see the vertex it's invisible off the edge of the triangle <laughs> which that's funny that you would use that def- that example because that was one of the ones that trip was tripped up with mm-hmm. when we were in the summer and we were saying that it, if it had rounded corners that was not a triangle because it's no longer a polygon because it doesn't have straight sides that meet it you know, that close. Well, it's, the sides are still at an angle from each other, whether right. it's a triangle or not. So maybe it goes to at an angle or is an angle is two different things. Hmm. Well, maybe. Yeah. See, this is like I'm debating this with fourth graders and I want to poke my <laughs> eyeballs out at some points because it's like, can we just agree to see it differently? I can agree to see it differently than you, you know, but they're like, I'm going to say the same thing I already said five more times. So until you believe me. Um, so it's good. But it's hard. This whole de- defining process is hard. Um, but at least we know now that they're connected. They they agreed that they had to be connected. At first, they were, some kid wrote, "They're not. Maybe they're not always connected." And I'm not sure where he got that from. But from Jay, probably. Yeah, probably from <laughs> Jay. Fault. Yeah. But by the next day, they were like, "Yeah, they have to be connected. We can take that off." So we've gotten, you know, we've gotten two lines that are connected. We're still not sure about the place where they connect. And I haven't been using that word vertex. I want to, but. But I'm wondering if it has something to do with, this is an angle that can be measured with a protractor. And this is an angle that you would need to, like the bendy straw. You would have to draw those lines and create that vertex if you wanted it to be measurable because you couldn't measure them. Same with your rounded corners on a triangle. It would, it's almost like you would have to create lines inside the triangle and draw them with points, and then you could measure and see that they are indeed 60 degrees. Yeah. I actually had a kid do that, come up to the board, and I had drawn a little straw, and they were like, look, it, they drew an angle mm-hmm. right inside of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just have to – my main thought is that I have to not get stuck. Like I have to – when they get – going in circles around and around and around. Mm-hmm. I have to just be like, we can leave this. It's okay. We can just let it kind of be there and not agree. And let's do the next task and see where that leads us. Um, the next task. Well, I need to mention another one that, that one of the tasks that I haven't talked about yet is um, we're still good on time. Um, 
so we played that game and they some of them did really well like they were getting it right on sometimes which i feel like is a little bit of luck but they were they were getting it right and it gets you more points the closer you get to the actual um number um but i but i did walk around and there was at least one team that had absolutely no idea and i could not figure out what do they not get here like why is everybody else in the room understands what 90 is and minimally they can know it's going to be more or less than 90 you know that's and i was expecting everybody to do that but this one team was like just confusing me with their explanation it was really really wrong i just had no idea what was going on but finally by the next day enough questions i realized that this one particular girl was seeing the whole circle as 100 and so 50 to her was half of the circle and it finally clicked like where her confusion was that Hmm. she was basing everything off of half of the circle being 50 i don't think she was paying attention to the fact that the starting ray was changing either so that was really throwing her off um but it it felt good to understand where her misconception was coming from right and she can't be the only kid that's ever going to think that Mm -hmm. you know so now i going through this and thinking about it deeply and doing these tasks makes me go okay watch out for that next time if if a kid is given really bizarre answers maybe they still think that the whole entire circle is is a hundred degrees you know because everything else in math is out of a hundred not out of 360 yeah it makes a lot of sense you know and you could measure it that way you know you could that you could have decided um if you have a different you know kind of think proportionally right right? that's what i was gonna say what's the other way to to measure angles it's not it's degrees and then radians i don't know i don't know about that radians is what you're doing with typically inside the circle when you have don't ask me too much about it but (laughs) i just know it's a button on the calculator Oh. You could change it between degrees and radians, and for do they someone, work in hundreds? I don't know. That's why I was asking you, the math teachers. I don't know. I just remember from school having for some some problems having to switch between degrees and radians for some reason. You can huh. see it stuck really well. Yeah, right. As to why, <laughs> I don't know. I'll have to look into that. Um, so the next day, I said, "Here's a piece of patty paper." Do you know what that is? Last time, no, you, but you say it again. <laughs> patty paper. <laughs> It's like um, wax paper. Basically. It's what they put between hamburger patties when they freeze. Oh. Them. oh, that's why it's called patty paper. See how easy that was. Oh, you're right, Ruth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Okay, patty paper. Now you know what it is, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. But I want to hear your explanation. What is it like? I've never, I've never patted hamburgers and put patty paper well, between them. But like, it but like, like when you buy them at Sam's and they're frozen patties. Oh, okay. The little white paper yeah, 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 that yeah. separates them. It's you patty definitely paper. want to take off you don't right. it doesn't taste good it. have you accidentally done that definitely <laughs> <laughs> left the paper on on accident they were because we had hamburgers last night and there was patty paper between the yeah. they weren't frozen but yeah, yeah. so okay. it's translucent paper that you can see through and kids can so we can next time make hamburgers save those sheets of paper ew and use them for <laughs> yeah no <laughs> okay you well microwave them and Okay, true story. I thought it was called Patty Paper because Patty West was the first person who (laughs) gave it to me. (laughs) This is really funny. I wonder if she just thought of this and then, Okay, well, now we're all educated. Exactly. And paper. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So I gave him a piece of Patty Paper (laughs) and I said, make yourself a tool that will help you be better at this game. 
And they they were like, nah, I can't do this. I mean, there was instant whining, instant. How do I make a tool? I can't make a tool. I need a protractor. I don't know how to use a protractor. Um, and then finally, which I didn't want this to happen, but somebody said, can I, can I make it in the shape of a circle? And I was like, well, sure, you know, and they wanted to trace something. And so that's what they all ended up doing. And they marked, you know, 90 degrees and 180 degrees. They did it in a lot of really cool ways. And I'll post some pictures of what they made. Um, But I had envisioned the whole thing going a different way. I was going to get, I was thinking they were going to use the corners, like there's a 90 degree, and then they were going to fold the corner and make a 45 degree. And then they could fold the corner again and make a 22, you know, degree. And a half. Yeah, and a half. Thank you. (laughs) Um, But they all just marked it on a circle. But it ended up working, um, and they could they could lay it on top of the screen and oh, cool. and see where to stop it because they could see through it the patty paper, <laughs> um, and but some of the and then one boy was like, well. I need another piece of paper. I'm like, okay. Because if it's going to, and this is a very quiet guy who doesn't usually share, if it opens to the other side, this isn't going to work. You know how I was telling you the rays go to two different sides? Mm-hmm. Well, he'd made it one way, and so he needed a second piece of paper so that if it opened the other way, he had them all writ- written the correct way that way. Um, one boy had um, his zero line. And then he had 90 degrees marked on both sides of that. And then he, and 45 degrees marked on both sides of that oh. and whatever 90 plus 45 is, 135 down here and then 180 at the bottom. So he had kind of like the same thing happening on both sides. Um, but one girl said, oh, this must be why a protractor had two sets of numbers at the top. Like they all of a sudden realized mm-hmm. the need for to – because they were doing a game where it was going to go to both sides. So – while not everybody knew what was going on, <laughs> a lot of them had some aha moments as they were doing That's that. That's really cool. Um, so making a protractor basically is what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kept saying they would get like the 90 and the 45. They'd get all those marked, like basically 45 chunks all the way around. And I would kept being like, can you mark anything else? Can you mark anything else? Because I wanted them to go even smaller and only one kid bit. Um, Mm -hmm. But I did choose his example to show on the board. And then they were like, oh, yeah, I I can see where 22 is. And, you know, I talked about how you could use that to say, you know, we we if we're looking for 50, we knew it would go between zero and and 40 or no. Between 45 and 90, but this mm-hmm. would help us know, like, which one to be closer to. So that was the one of the big tasks that we had on day two. And then I'm going – we missed us. We had a snow day. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> so we're going into day three. And this is where I hope that we'll add something to our definition about turning. Because day three, we're going to use um, the dash – robots that we have from wonder workshop and they have all these different challenges and in all of them they have to think about the turns that their robot is going to make in order to follow some lines and when i read the research there was lots and lots of people in order to get kids to think about angle as turn there was lots of coding activities that they ended up doing you know but if they were old research it was just like the logo you know little arrow that were turtle or whatever that was turning (laughs) Uh, right but i you know thought about what we have and (laughs) wanted to use these new robots so they'll be like um 
draw they'll be like taping a square on the ground and then making it follow and turning 90 degrees and then we'll move into triangles and um a rhombus and different you know a maze different kinds of things that they'll have to make a plan for. So will they have to code that into their programming turn right 90 degrees? Mm -hmm. Yes yes. So they have to know the angle. Yeah yeah and and I and I'm thinking that the 90 degrees is going to be obvious but then Like, if you're going to trace a triangle, let's picture a right triangle. If you're going to trace a right triangle, the first, if you're starting at the right angle, the first step is easy. You go forward, right? But then this next turn, you're not actually turning the angle of the inside of the triangle. You're turning the the outside, outside, you know? So it's the 135 degree turn instead of the 45. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where... I don't know how they're going to do it. Like I'm, that's what I'm really interested in their process of how to get there, you know? And, and uh, will they like move their body? I mean, that's what I would have to do. I would have to think about, okay, this is 90 degrees and I'm still not there. So I'm going to guess something bigger than 90 and see if I get on that line, you know? And Adelie and Aubrey and Aubrey's Rachel's daughter, they actually practiced it one time for me a little week or so, two weeks ago for me to kind of watch. And I think that, Aubrey probably had more of a, like, estimating idea going on, you know, and Adley was, like, doing the calculation in her head. She was like, oh, I know this is a 45-degree angle, and this is 180, and I'm going to subtract, you know, so she was she was thinking mathematically, and Aubrey was thinking coding, and they were an interesting pair, like, mm. working together, you know. Um, and I kept thinking, Adley, explain what you're, like, explain your thinking that you just picked that 130, what did I say? 135 135. number. It seemed to Aubrey like you picked it out of nowhere, but you were doing some steps, like, tell her how you got there. Tell her how you got there. Um, so I'm hoping that's, that's why I wrote on my most recent reflection is like, am I going to be able to pay attention to their math enough to really know what's going on? Or I'm afraid I'm going to be like managing and breaking up arguments about who's supposed to hold the iPad at this moment, you know? You think? Yeah, I think. <laughs> so. I saw them doing that at, on I Love Math Day. Yeah. Because there were um, shapes and, it looks like shapes and paths or something right. that you had, had been masking tape, mm-hmm. using masking tape on the floor. Yeah. And was watching one of the, one of the kids take it and like move forward and it moved forward in sections. It wasn't like the whole distance. It was like, that's one unit, that's two units right yeah. now, turn left and, it, it turned not quite left enough because I guess the program, if it just said turn left, it turned 90 degrees or something like that. And it was a star. So that left turn had to be more than 90 degrees. Yeah. But Yeah. So we'll see. And then I'm, and then my hope is that we'll adjust our definition to somehow include something about turn, but we'll see. And if they don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. All right. So we need to have a takeaway. Rachel, you can think be thinking if you have a takeaway, but we won't put you on the spot. <laughs> oh wow! I have a takeaway. Okay. okay, my memory of my math teacher in high school, and I realize you guys are talking younger ages, but he had a projector. He would put a transparent sheet on the tri- projector, and he would just write math on it. Uh-huh. That is w- what I remember math is, and just the word. Yes, just the word. No, smart <laughs> you know, he would do the formulas that he was trying to teach us, and he would just write them, and then he'd fill up that sheet, and he'd get a new one. And you know, I was definitely passing notes. He he didn't know. He didn't look up. And hearing you guys discuss these 
games and these ways of knowing and the way you're asking kids to co-construct knowledge with you. Mm -hmm. You're not just imparting knowledge. You're saying, no, what do you think this is and what could it mean? And you are taking it beyond just the numbers Mm -hmm. on the projector sheet. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) I think you guys are, it's wonderful to hear. Yay. Thank you. And you can tell you're an English professor because you use (laughs) (laughs) co-construct. And your poem, your metaphysical poem, I was just like, oh, I'm not worthy. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I think my takeaway is just to keep going. Like, the more I talk about uh, this whole unit, you know, I'm having these moments of like, yikes, I'm scared, but just keep going. And even if we don't get to the exact definition that I wanted them to come up Mm -hmm. with, we did debate and, you know... We did go through the process of, of determining what an angle is, you know, and so they do they are going to come out the other side with more knowledge, even if it's not the full knowledge that I want them to have. So maybe that reminded me of my takeaway when you said the results of your decimal quiz showed that conceptual learning mm-hmm. is important because it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard to not just stand up there and say, today, I'm going to show you how to do prime factorization. Yeah, this is how you do it. You know, to think about even just like getting out the games and not getting upset that there's pieces left on the floor (laughs) Mm -hmm. because they didn't care about them as much as you do. All those things that you have to do to do math differently. Mm -hmm. It's worth it. It's worth it. Yeah. You have a takeaway, Jay? Well, I'm going to be seeing angles in everything today. Yes. <laughs> everything I look at, I'm going to be seeing. Oh, you did say you had a student. Yeah. yeah, coming down, I, I don't remember if it was the first or second day. It was probably the first day. We were walking to gym, or walking to recess. And, you know, normally I'm like, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. Because <laughs> we're walking right past the kindergarten classes. And this one girl looks up and was like, I'm seeing right angles everywhere. I'm so, <laughs> This is so messing with my brain. <laughs> but, you know, she was, they were seeing them around the room. Yeah. yeah. Well, I will try to contain myself as I see angles. Yeah, <laughs> you're also going to now. I'll call it patty paper every opportunity. Every. Have. <laughs> in fact, I'm going to go online and buy some patty paper. Oh, don't, because I have a whole box in my classroom. It's okay. Well, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been fun. You want to join us on a run, Rachel? Yes. Okay, okay good. good. You're the first guest who said yes. <laughs> I love it. All right. See you on the run. See ya.